after that, like, you know, they did tally our drinks. You know, we had that drink um, limit of like, we could only have like two drinks per hour and they didn't even keep hard liquor. Only, only, oh, only, only. <laughs> it can we, be but we couldn't even take shots. I was just like, I was like, you know, bored in the house. I was like, what are we going to do? But could you get like a whiskey neat as one of your drinks? No, it had to be mixed. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So, and Splash like, they water. Did, yeah. Welcome to Here to Make Friends, a HuffPost podcast about the Bachelor franchise, where we lovingly snark on the Bachelor and Bachelor-adjacent shows. Whether you love The Bachelor or love to hate it, we're here to break down every single delicious moment with you. I'm Emma Gray. And I'm Claire Fallon. Welcome back, everyone. We're here in Austin at South by Southwest at the TuneIn Podcast Stage. It has been quite a week for The Bachelor, so we have a great, great treat for you today. Here live on the TuneIn Podcast Stage, here to make friends. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Emma. Uh, and I'm Claire. And we're joined today by Brittany Taylor, who uh, was on... Ari's season of The Bachelor. You might remember it just happened. And uh, Brittany also lives in Austin, so hometown hero here. We are so, so excited that she's here. I'm so excited to be here. And I like I was just this is probably like one of the coolest things I've ever done. <laughs> Same. Cooler than uh, The Bachelor, for yeah, sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, so speaking of The Bachelor, um, let's start uh, at the conclusion. Uh, we just watched this two-night finale. Uh, what was up with that? Like, we saw Ari pick Becca. He changed his mind. He dumped Becca for like 45 minutes straight. Then he, he begged Lauren back. Ooh. He's got engaged, engaged to her live. Live. So there's a lot to take in. Um, do, do you have any feelings? You you do know all of the players involved, Brittany. Yeah. So I have a lot of feelings, a lot of thoughts, um, and especially knowing all of the players involved. But I will say, I guess it wasn't shown on the show, but I was really close with Becca Kay in the house. We were in the same limo. She was the first person I met coming out of the hotel room and then getting into the limo that night on the first night. So, um, so she was like literally like my first friend in the house. And then we were in the same room together. We bunked together and we just had this amazing bond together, like in the house. And so just watching your friend hurt, especially on national TV and seeing the guy like breaking her heart because in the house, like on the first week, whenever she got the first one-on-one date, I saw their chemistry and I was like, oh, I told, I remember telling her specifically, like in, in our room, like in our little bunk room, I was like, you're going all the way. Like, I know you're, you're going to take it home. I was like, you're, even though I don't want to say you're going to win it, but cause like you her, don't win. Her ex-boyfriend felt the same way. Yeah, exactly. So, but like, I remember seeing their chemistry together and even whenever I was watching the proposal and like her hometowns too, I remember getting so emotional and just because I kind of knew what was going to happen during hometowns, like, but it just made me so emotional, like seeing Ari meet her family and then like with her dad and stuff. Cause she like, she, she told me about her dad and, and I'm not a crier at all. Like I, I'm pretty, you know, like I'm pretty put together, but just whenever she told me that story and then watching Ari meet his, her family for the first time and uncle Gary and everything. She always talked about uncle Gary, like all the time. He was a real, real character. <laughs> yeah. That hometown. yeah. But, um, but just 
and then seeing them like in, in real life too, it's just like watching that. It just made me super emotional. And then whenever I saw him propose and like, you know, they're like happy and then like watching the videos of, of like, you know, like they're like happy engaged couple. Like it, it made me happy. But then at the same time, I knew I was like, I knew it was coming. When did you find out that this switch had occurred? Um, so I think it like probably like in January, like I kind of, I reached out to her cause I thought everything was good. And then I like reached out to her and like me and Caroline talk and she was like, yeah, like this happened. And I was like, what? Um, <laughs> so I called her and I was like, are you okay? But I didn't want to like pry too much because that's a sensitive thing. And I didn't want to be nosy too at all. So I just like let her tell me whatever she wanted to tell me. But, um, but yeah, but watching it, like I knew it was coming and I knew it was bad, but I didn't know it was going to be that bad, you know, just excruciating 60 minutes. Yeah. Of him not leaving and awkwardly like, are you okay? Like knocking That's the crazy thing is they completely spoiled the conclusion. Everyone knew, uh, it was in like the tabloids beforehand and yet I was still shocked. Like, yeah. I thought that they had ruined their own finale, and I was so wrong. Oh, yeah, no. You're, but I feel like we all knew what was going to happen, but we didn't know what was going to be said and how he would say it and how he would deliver breaking up with her. And it was just kind of atrocious. <laughs> so it was obviously, you know, from our perspective, it was some of the most compelling hour of television we've ever seen. I agree. And yet it also evoked a real feeling of queasiness, a feeling of what are we watching in this room? Should we, as the viewer, even be there? How do we, how do we feel about that now? Like, it, it, did it cross a line? I think I kind of agree with Kendall. Like, I remember her talking about it on the finale. Like, I think that's something we should have seen, even though it's so cringeworthy and it's just so raw. Um, but it's maybe it's something that we should, that we should have seen because Otherwise, we would have speculated. I'm like, oh, maybe he cheated. Maybe he did this. Maybe he did that. But I feel like even though as painful as it is to like watch Becca go through it, I'm, I'm actually kind of glad to see what happened and see how strong she is, like, you know, emotionally, like as a woman, you know, just to kind of go through that and, and just, you know, take the higher road, basically. Yeah, if it had been me, would have seen a much different scene. Oh, yeah, no. Like, if it would have been me or Bibiana, we'd be like, what? He would have got cursed out, like, immediately. (laughs) I would have been a a lot, just a lot more tears and not, like, cute ones. Yeah. Yeah. Really brutal. I mean, knowing Ari personally, were you surprised? Like, he had already broken up with you and, like, many other women in the house at that point. Were you Mm -hmm. surprised by how badly that breakup went? Um, It's so weird thinking about that because, like, I remember the producers were like, Brittany, he's your boyfriend. I was like, no, he's not. (laughs) That's why everyone keeps saying that. I was like, really? I was like, no, he's not. I was like, unless I got a one-on-one date. I was like, no, he's not. And, um, but I, I I guess I didn't really feel like a breakup to me because we honestly weren't there. Like we were more friends whenever I got eliminated in Lake Tahoe and he knew that I knew that like everybody knew that (laughs) basically that's why I got friend zone really hard when I got the most hardcore, um, award, but for everyone who doesn't remember, Brittany was awarded a certificate. Yes. By Ari, (laughs) a participation, hardcore. And it was, it was not like the sexiest, most romantic moment. No, when you get a concussion, you really want your man to give you a nice certificate. He printed exactly (laughs) exactly but yeah like it didn't feel like a breakup but um but I was surprised just to see how 
lacking of empathy he had. Like he was basically like a robot, like emotionless. It sounded like he was reading off of a card or whatever. Like it, it just didn't seem like he ha- he just didn't have a connection, I feel like. And he just didn't have any empathy for Becca. And just watching him talk to Lauren B, whenever it just seemed like he was trying to hold back a smile. He's like, I just broke up with Becca. Like, I'm ready. Like, I'm here. I'm here for you. Like, it just it just seemed like really weird. So I don't I don't know. Like, I just that's the part I didn't like. It just seemed like he was too eager to throw away Becca. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like it had, it was something he had decided to do a long time before he actually did it, though yeah. he says it happened more recently. I I think he was lying. <laughs> <laughs> Sam? Yeah, we, we have since heard that he seemed to know he had made a mistake pretty much immediately after he proposed, so. Yeah. I mean, do you think that Ari and Lauren have been getting too much blowback? Um, I mean, I feel like it was expected because people watching the show like you know there are some you know really exuberant fans you know that like go us. to it's <laughs> very exuberant, no, exuberant. No, yeah. no like not even that but like people who take it too far basically but at the end of the day like whenever i first saw it i was really shocked and upset but now thinking about it like from his perspective and his point of view yeah like he's under an immense amount of pressure to propose and to make this decision pretty quickly within nine weeks because that's when we film like it's it's a whole like nine week process so I mean I guess it was expected with the backlash but um, I feel like there's I've seen both sides of it from I guess on social media of like oh you guys like you shouldn't like you know take take or like be too hard on him. And then at the same time, everyone's like, what have you done? Like kind of thing like that. So I've seen like both sides and I kind of agree with both sides too, but um, just, I guess just the way he did it, it wasn't very tactful. And, and you know, he just, I, I just felt like he was just lacking empathy. Yeah. And I think that's something that's on all of us as consumers of reality television, you know, to balance um, being able to react to what we are seeing and enjoying it. And at the same time, create, you know, have some empathy for the fact that these are human beings on our TVs. And we, we all understand at this point that there, a lot goes into the production of any of these shows. There are a lot of suggestions being, you know, thrown any, any contestants way. And, you know, it's something I struggle with still as a viewer who professionally analyzes this but, show. And I feel like that too. Like, I feel like people think we're characters and they really forget that we're real people. Cause you know, like with game of Thrones or whatever, like people like hate Cersei, but like you, they know she's an actress, but like, and I feel like people do that like on Twitter and just like everything else. It's just like, people will literally look you up and then send you a nasty DM. And it was just like, what are you doing with your day? <laughs> like to, to really like, you're going to look me up on social media and then send me a nasty message, like get a life, you know? <laughs> but I just feel like some people do forget that and they'll just tweet things like out in, in the internets or whatever. And, and just forget that we're actually like real people with real feelings. It's interesting. Cause I often hear um, people talk about contestants as if they're characters um, on a fictional show. Um, and I also often hear uh, people say that they think the show is scripted. It is um, not. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard anyone involved with the show in any way say that it's scripted in any way. So that's been my assumption. But is it frustrating at all to, to hear people talk about 
think something you went through as if it was all fake. Yeah, no, and even still, like, people that I know here in Austin, like, they'll text me and be like, and they saw the finale, be like, oh, like, was that real? Or I'm like, yes, it was real. Like, my best friend, like, literally just went through this. Like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, it's real. Like, no, it's not like the hills, you know? I feel like everyone thinks it was like the hills where they're, you know, they have, like, their earpieces or they're, they're getting text messages from the producers. Like, say this, say that. Like, the producers don't, tell us to say anything or do anything they i mean they may give us suggestions but at the end of the day it's it's real emotion it's really like what we're going through and what you see on screen is basically that person unless they're acting out so it also doesn't make a lot of sense because if you think that everything is scripted then why are you so mad at at the people on the show yeah exactly (laughs) monster (laughs) well we're allowed to have real emotions claire it's just that the people on our screens are not that's, that's one fair, fair, right? Um, so, I mean, getting back to some of the other uh, parts of Ari's season that have maybe gotten overshadowed by the finale. Uh, Brittany, you had the first kiss on the season. Oh, my gosh, I did. <laughs> Is that something you're proud of? Actually, I was really proud of that. <laughs> it's your most important accomplishment, It really obviously. was. And it was yeah. like, you know, in the previews and stuff, and I was really <laughs> excited. But that was my whole idea. I was thinking about it for weeks before I even got to the mansion. Um, I, I knew I wanted to incorporate Power Wheels in some type of fashion. <laughs> and, you know, I got the idea that night to, like, race him for a kiss. So, like, I felt like it was just perfect and smooth. It wasn't forced or anything like that. It, it just... I just got in there and I did it. <laughs> and then you had that great reaction. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah, you're very gift. <laughs> I, I, I think, did you introduce the concept of Ari having pillow lips? Oh my God. I gave him the worst <laughs> nickname of all time. And now yeah. it will follow him forever. Yeah. I mean, but before, actually, like, it, bevo- it was before like needle dick. That's so. true. Um, <laughs> I oh, think he Ari, has he a worse really, nickname yeah, now. He, he came on trying to shed the nickname <laughs> The Kissing Bandit. And instead he got, got pillow lips, lips and needle dick. <laughs> yeah. Not, Be not careful what you wish for, Ari. Yeah. <laughs> Oops, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I, well, they were like really, they were really soft. So, I mean. <laughs> I think he nice. exfoliates them. Yeah. yeah. They, like, I does mean, he use those lip masks? Because I've been wanting to know whether they work. Like I should, you know, just send him a DM. I think he just needs Lion Dyke DNA. You know, you need to like have it running in your veins um so what happened after that first kiss like why did why do you feel like your relationship didn't develop um I feel like a lot of things I'm a not his type I don't think (laughs) honestly truly um but I felt like after the demolition derby date I honestly like tried to get to know him and it was outside of the cameras, like when we were spray painting our cars and stuff, I, you know, kind of pulled him aside and I was like, so what else do you like to do, you know, besides racing? And he's just like, I like real estate. And I'm just like, <laughs> I know. What else do you like to do? What are your hobbies? And he's just like, real estate. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I like hiking. I was just like, okay. And then I was, after that, I was like, all right, I'm done. But, um, but yeah, then we just couldn't kind of get past like the friend zone thing and, um, but we did have like a really good conversation, um, I think, night or row ceremony too. Um, they didn't show it, but like um, we were talking about this. I was just like basically like don't friend zone me. But um, but he was like you know he he basically compared it to Sean and Catherine season, and he was he told me that 
um, Sean didn't have or didn't have Catherine on on her on his radar for the first couple of weeks, and he just felt like they were friends, you know. And he basically had her in the friend zone, and then towards the end. She just kind of came out of nowhere and and then they just kind of made that bond. So he did like really have like a good rebuttal to like, you know, like, oh, don't friend zone me just yet. He's just like, you know, like he's like, I really like you. I think you're really funny. You're like, you make me laugh. And, you know, like we are friends, but he's just like, hopefully we can, you know, progress. And it just honestly just didn't progress. Like I saw him eat a worm and then that was it. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard for a relationship to progress after that. Yeah, it was pretty disgusting. So... (laughs) Obviously, there was a lot of talk leading up to the season um, that The Bachelor might be Peter from Rachel's season, and he was quite beloved by the audience. Did you think that The Bachelor was going to be Peter when you agreed to do the show? Um, I guess the way they put it, they just, like, they didn't really allude to it being Peter. I mean, I thought that could have been it. I wasn't really, like, a huge Peter fan, but, um, but I figured... They were. It sounded like they were going to pick someone else from 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 the back end of it. So, but I was just going to. I'm just. I was just waiting to see like who it would be, and then I had the option to you know either go or not go. <coughs> but um. But yeah, I, I mean, Peter doesn't do it for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> what about the gap tooth? It's not his fault. He's so gap tooth. <laughs> like, not a fan. <laughs> not a fan. That's fair. A gap tooth isn't for everyone. Um. I mean, did, did it seem like a lot of the girls on the show were hoping it would be Peter? Yes, I would say majority of the girls thought, like were there for Peter. And then they're just like, okay, well, I can probably just go on Instagram and chill stuff. And then it's not Peter, so whatever. So, yeah, <laughs> always we... a fallback. <laughs> <laughs> but I think a lot of girls were there for Peter. Because I think, yeah, even Crystal, when she had her meltdown, she's like, not Peter. And then Jacqueline said, not Peter. And I that kind of made me feel bad for Ari, though. Like, it, it made me, it, it really did. Because like, or before, pre- you know, fucking over Becca. Like I, I did feel kind of bad for him. I was just like, Oh, like that kind of sucks. You know, like, you know, 30 women, you know, who are supposed to be excited to date you. And they're like, Oh, you're not Peter. You know, like that, that kind of, I'm sure none of them said it to him like directly. No, I thought Jacqueline did. The the first night. (laughs) She did. I mean, it was a joke, but Brad Wilmack second season when one of his later front runners, uh, introduced herself by slapping him in the face. What? And said that was for every woman in America. Oh, wow. Because on his first season, he didn't pick anyone. And apparently that made all the women in America very upset. <laughs> I had no idea. I need to retroactively go yeah. back and be extremely angry. Yeah, I didn't know that yeah. at all. Yeah, it was intense. And that was my first Bachelor season. So I was like, wow, they get real crazy on this show. Um, but that that's probably the harshest intro I've seen to date still. Yeah, to just <laughs> a full on, full on physical assault. Wow. Yeah. Did she make it past night one? She was one of, like, the final three. Oh, wow. I guess he was into that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Another Austin resident, by the way, Brad Womack. Yeah, I think he owns, like... Yeah, apparently he owns Dogwood. Yeah, yeah, I think he owns Dogwood on yeah. yes. West. <laughs> yeah. A nice plug for Brad Womack. Yeah. <laughs> so are you excited for Becca's season of The Bachelorette? Do you think, like, she's really ready? Oh, my God. I'm so excited. You guys have no idea because I feel like they didn't... Um, show enough of her personality and she's hilarious and I feel like she'll be a really good lead because you know she knows what to say and she knows how to like kind of work off of like awkwardness and you know and she's really good at like making a person feel comfortable too and she's just so open and just so warm-hearted and easy to talk to I feel like she's going to be like one of 
one of the best bachelorettes for sure. I like that endorsement. I'm excited to get to know her. I was wondering if her personality was perhaps just deadened by the fact that her counterpart didn't really give much. I think, I think that was definitely (laughs) what it was because she's pretty amazing and she's really funny. And they, she told me this, but um, they didn't show it at hometowns because it's probably awkward, but she made Ari go through this like spanking machine. So, and it's basically like her whole family like lined up and made them crawl through like their legs. And then they would like, like tap you. What? (laughs) It's called the spanking machine. It is like the greatest thing ever. Is that like a Minnesota thing? I I guess maybe. (laughs) I don't. I don't know. I'm honestly shocked the show did not take the opportunity to air something. It was great. That that sounds maybe a little too sexy for the Bachelor. (laughs) But no, I think she'll be. I think she'll be wonderful. I think you guys will really like her and enjoy watching her. Okay. Well, we'll have to tune in. Um, Tune in. And I'd love for us to talk a little bit now, kind of zoom out and talk about, you know, the franchise as a whole. This is a show that has been on since 2002, which is kind of insane. Like, it's one of the few reality TV franchises that really has staying power. And I'm curious to hear from both of you, why do you think that is? What is it about a show like The Bachelor that consistently draws in such a big audience and has such a you know, enthusiastic fan base? Big question. Yeah, that's like, yeah, that's a really good question. I can start if you want to take a moment because yeah. people ask me this all the time. <laughs> um, I mean, there, there are definitely a few uh, core traits that, that make The Bachelor really um, compelling year after year. And I think one of them is that it has this very simple structure, but the results are always unpredictable. So you know what to expect. Like if you pick up a romance novel, you know what the structure is going to be. But you're excited to learn about Lord William. And (laughs) I I read period romances, so I don't know. I'm sure there are other ones. But um, yeah, and like, is the woman going to be a feisty spitfire or a demure seamstress? I don't know. I'm going to have to find out. (laughs) So many options. (laughs) And I think that is kind of the joy of The Bachelor. And it's also the joy of like watching sports. You know, you have something that you follow season after season the structure is the same the outcomes are unpredictable and it it's it's a natural you know also part of way of sorry it's a natural way of talking about everything else that you know is relatable in our own lives dating friendships uh the way we navigate social situations i often find myself like identifying awkwardnesses and contestants that I have too. just, it's a great like Petri dish for social interaction. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that there's, you know, something satisfying about the stakes of the bachelor that feel very high, but at the same time you can sort of escape from everything that's going on in the world and sort of project onto this show where the reality is like the stakes aren't that high on a universal level. Um, I also think that there's something, you know, we snark about The Bachelor, and yet if you watch it year after year, at a certain point in the season each year, you probably are buying into the story in some capacity. And I think there is something about it. It taps into this sort of very base desire that everyone has to find love, to find connection. And there's something satisfying about imagining what if love and dating could be so simple? What if it was you go through this very clear process and you know at the end you're going to have an emotionally satisfying conclusion. And I think that just taps into something 
very base, even as we are incredibly self-aware and looking at the way it's made and sitting there and critiquing it. Right. Yeah. And I I agree. Like, I agree definitely with the analogy of like, it's kind of like sports, but like sports for maybe like women, because now they have like, you know, the, the bachelor brackets and everything like that. And it's just become something. And it, and that's kind of strange to me because people in America have my picture like on a bracket somewhere, which is, which people have told me that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, like I, I do definitely agree with that. Like, um, I just think it's maybe people are interested in seeing maybe the psychology behind, um, going on a show like this and, you know, going through the process and seeing who comes out at the end. And then you also get invested too with the contestants. And that's how I explained to like people who haven't watched the show and then who would just started watching cause they know me. And, and now like on this, on this season, like my coworkers, they never watched the show, but before I got on and now they're so invested into Becca. And so then they'll watch her season and then get invested in all the guys. And then they'll, and then they'll get invested on the guys who go to paradise or whoever else. And then, and then it's just like a cycle basically. And so that's kind of how they like hook you. I feel like ABC has really figured out how to have a durable franchise. Yeah. Yeah, It's refillable. And someone asked us recently, uh, whether the franchise would still be on the air if their the bachelorette had never become part of it. And the more I thought about it, I thought maybe not because prior to the bachelorette, they were having to sort of struggle to find, who is a man who is desirable, who's willing to come on this show? How can we keep mixing it up and, and keep people interested? Maybe he'll be a prince. Maybe he'll be a former NFL player. Now they just have to pick the most popular person from Software salesman who has a nice face and is from yeah. Indiana. You yeah. could never have... I mean, Indiana is a huge selling point, obviously. But aside from that, I don't think that Ben Higgins would have ever been The Bachelor uh, if there wasn't The Bachelorette. And that's that's what's made it very difficult for people to stop watching. Yeah. We're just stuck. Yeah, because uh, I feel way. like they, they can relate now that it's not more so like maybe like C-list celebrities or anything like that. But like, I feel like they can relate more to these people that they pluck out of, you know, like the Midwest or like any, anyone like that, or like, you know, like Texas and then make them the lead because they're relatable and they're like real people. Yeah. And I think it changes the dynamic in a certain way between the lead and the contestants, because before it sort of felt like I'm a I'm a famous attainable man, and I guess I can try to shop for a partner from this pool Normal of hotties. Normal group of ladies yeah, who happen yeah, to be exactly. very attractive. And instead, you might have a guy like Ben Higgins, who's like we're basically on the same level outside of the fact that I am the lead, and I'd like to find a, a woman that I could marry one day. And there isn't that weird sense of someone who is stooping down to give some attention and dates to some ordinary girls, um, which I think is a welcome change. And I think Ari's season almost felt a little bit like a reversion because he is like a Such race a car driver. Yeah, he comes from a prominent family. <laughs> and right. he was much older than a lot of the women. And it did sometimes have that, that weird That power dynamic of, felt a little bit, yeah. it, it felt uneven. I mean, did you ever get the sense that he was like, I'm just shopping for a wife? Yeah, some people here definitely feel that way. Yeah, definitely feel like he had a mold of what he wanted, and he 
definitely eliminated them. I, I feel like he definitely wanted someone in their 30s for sure. <laughs> I was the last 30-year-old to get eliminated. Oh, yes. We took note. As a woman in her 30s, every week I'd be like, oh, they're, they, yep, they're all 27 or under now. He's yeah. 36. Cool. Yep. I'm going to just turn he off my Tinder right now. Yeah, I think the same night that you left or also um, Jenna left, who was 28. And I was like, yeah, she. they were the oldest women left. And now it's all... 27 and under, which was heartening halfway through the season. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're talking now sort of about these feminist concerns that we might have with the dynamics of the show. Um, And yet we all hear often, you know, a lot of smart women watch The Bachelor, talk about The Bachelor, women who identify as feminists. What is wrong with us? Why are we doing this? (laughs) I mean, it's just for entertainment, you know, like, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I feel like people bash it, but then also they're watching every single Monday, you know? So I just, it's just like us. We love to criticize and then also (laughs) dedicate all of our free time to the show. So, yeah. And as a naturally critical person, it's much better channeled towards people who hopefully will never hear what I have to say. Although that's becoming less and less likely the longer I do a podcast about it. But, you know, as opposed to, like, my friends um, or my husband, I can criticize these people on television. <laughs> I also think there is, you know, so we get so many tweets, like, how could you watch The Bachelor and also care about politics? And I'm like, well, half of my job is actually to cover the intersection of gender and politics. So, oddly, women can hold more than one interest. And I do think that there's something about the fact that The Bachelor is, quote-unquote, fluff that is coded as feminine um, that makes people perhaps be much harsher on it than they would something sort of fluffy that is coded as masculine. Yeah, like, no one ever says to a guy, oh, I always see you tweeting about the NFL, but it turns out you also write about politics. So confused. How could you possibly have more than one interest? Yeah, and uh, I mean, and sometimes we do have conversations about the NFL and the ethical issues of watching that, but um, it seems like a perennial question for women who watch The Bachelor and identify as feminists, and I just, I think we have to accept that Not everything we consume in our lives is going to conform to our feminist ideals. And it's about being thoughtful about the messages you're taking in, um, being thoughtful about what we're being shown and trying to not just like take absorb the values. (laughs) Right. It's about media literacy, which is important for everything that we are consuming. Yeah. That holds for The Bachelor as well. Exactly. And, I mean, do we feel like it is on par with watching the NFL in terms of just being a terrible thing to do? I mean, someone call it terrible. (laughs) Am I being too hard on the NFL also? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I have been wondering since the finale, though, whether there is ever a limit where I'm going to have to stop watching. Like, do we think that there is a, a boundary they could cross when we would have to stop or never be able to look ourselves in the eye again. It's hard to imagine exactly what that line would be. I mean, I'm sure there are things they could do that would just make me feel like I, I can't actually be part of the ecosystem that props up the show. Um, apparently, it hasn't reached that point yet because we are still doing this podcast. Uh, but I think, you know, Claire, you and I have talked about this a lot, and we sort of came to the conclusion that there isn't a clear limit. It's whatever the market will bear. It's whatever... 
you know, I, production thinks will make them money. Yeah, I agree. Because because do you guys like ever think about it? Like there are other dating shows like this, like with a similar format that haven't done well, you know, and I feel like maybe because they either go too far or it's like kind of like trashy a little bit. But I feel like with The Bachelor, like they do have this like aesthetic and this look that and this kind of like formula that keeps viewers coming back because there are dating shows that haven't done well. Like, you know, like all those terrible VH1 ones, like, like rock for love or I whatever, mean, you know, I, like I love them, but it's fine. <laughs> but I mean, it's true. They're they're The bachelor is great at performing respectability. Yeah. Um, and it was funny watching winter games um, to see how many international bachelor contestants thought it was unbelievably trashy to kiss a man on television and oh, yeah. to go to the fantasy suite and I'm sitting here like I've watched dating shows in America where you can see people having sex under blankets. Yeah. And so yeah. The Bachelor has always seemed extremely extremely chaste. Yeah. yeah. But it does have that veneer of like if they're going to be in bikinis, it's because they're at the beach and or in a hot tub. And they're only going to have sex in a fantasy suite. Yeah, and they don't show it at all. And they don't show it. Yeah. Um, and then there's a proposal at the end. Like, who can criticize something that leads to marriage? <laughs> yeah, and I feel like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I feel like that's why it's stayed so long is just because it kind of has that pure pureness to it towards the end because it's supposed to be something working towards marriage. And I think that's why it stayed on the air for so long because, you know, some people, I mean, there's what one couple that's been married, well, <laughs> but we, still, but it's still like the idea of it. Yeah. It's it toes that line. It walks that line of, yeah, of respectability of chasteness. And, and I also think it reflects the fact that we do have such an embedded value um, on marriage in the, in, in this country, you know, it's like, Oh, everything else leading up to it is fine. We have these romantic narratives and it's like, well, what, it's all just a means to the most important end. One. And what if explore. we had a much faster means to that end, like nine weeks like of nine taping weeks. <laughs> and then it happens. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, <sighs> I struggle with it because I often feel like it is just a veneer of, of hyper, like, Judeo-Christian American ideals that cover some pretty uncomfortable dynamics. Um, but I, that is a big part of its success and its appeal. It perfectly encapsulates the mainstream, like, white American idea of what marriage and courtship should look like. Yeah, and it's also perpetuating that fairy tale, too, like, of what every little girl wants. Like, I want to get married. Or a like little boy named yeah. Ari. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was just hoping for his fairy tale ending. Yeah, but he's also a 36-year-old commitment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was really surprised to hear the words, I just wanted my fairy tale ending come out of Ari's mouth on the finale. <laughs> but, like, I respect that he's open about that. Um, and the fairy tale ending, of course, is when you propose again for the second time in three months. Yeah. In, it's just in, what every little child dreams of yeah. for their romantic exactly. ending. Exactly. Yeah. In front of a lot of people who hate you so much. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more Here to Make Friends live from South by Southwest. And it might even include a couple real scintillating audience questions. I 
I remember watching Unreal, um, Unreal's first season, and there's a plot line, spoiler alert, where uh, they mess with the character's medication and she ends up uh, committing suicide oh. with one of the contestants uh, on the show within a show. And I remember thinking, come on. And then the show doesn't get canceled. I couldn't believe that. It seemed so hyper dramatic. And then the Paradise scandal happened. And and it was barely a blip. You know, we're a few months out from it now. And it was a national news story. People were really asking tough questions of production. And yet, somehow, um, you know, the franchise ends up putting responsibility onto the contestants, kind of encouraging the contestants to stand up for the show. And suddenly we have, you know, The Bachelor, we have Winter Games, and we hardly remember that that scandal even happened. Yeah, because I feel like at the end of the day, it's just, it's the contestants' actions, you know? Like, you do have a choice, but they did make a change, I I will say, coming in from my season, getting into the house. Um, They definitely were watching our alcohol intake after that, for sure. Like, so, I remember the first day, they they had legal come in, and like, do you tell us if you feel unsafe? Like, you know, just make, make sure you tell someone if you don't feel comfortable. And after that, like, you know, they did tally our drinks. You know, we had that drink... Um, limit of like we could only have like two drinks per hour and they didn't even keep hard liquor. Only. Only. Oh, only. only. <laughs> it can we, be but we couldn't even take shots. I was just like I was like you know bored in the house. I was like what are we going to do? But could you get like a whiskey neat as one of your drinks? No. It had to be mixed. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So and Splash like they water. Did, yeah. Yeah. Basically but like I feel like may, I don't know this, but I feel like maybe in the past in past seasons, they maybe had had it out on the counter and you could just get whatever you want. But this whenever I was in the house, um, you had to ask for it. And I didn't even figure out we had like, you know, tequila or vodka until like the third week. So, so you're just wandering <laughs> around drinking Prosecco. Like, yeah, I guess like we just had just... beer and wine. So that was that was it. It was just like in the refrigerator. And then like, why I re- am I so full all the time? Yeah. All of this and it's beer. just like, how did Sleepy, everyone get yeah. so drunk? I don't understand. Because <laughs> no one on the first night was hammered at all. No one got blackout like everyone was normal. That's true. There usually is at least one person who jumps in the pool and you're like, that's the drunk one. Yeah. But no, you guys were very like chill. Yeah. It seemed like you were all just chatting with each other and maybe just a little tired from the like four or five AM rose ceremony. Oh God bless. Yeah. <laughs> rose ceremonies are the bane of my existence. Like like I cannot with rose ceremonies. I don't miss those at all. <laughs> and did you ever consider just sleeping through one? Actually I did. Um, you- whenever I got a concussion, they le- because they let me sleep. Because it's doctor's orders. <laughs> I, I feel like the whole, like, uh, the uh, re- recommended treatment for concussions has changed because it used to be don't let them sleep. Yeah, and they actually told me that. Sleep. Yeah, yeah, they actually told me that, like, that's a this myth. This is a medical show now. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to really dive into yeah. that. But I actually uh, missed, like, a lot of rose ceremonies because I was sleeping the whole entire time. <laughs> uh, that was such a big plot line when Corinne did it, and then apparently just everyone. Yeah, now everyone just does it. Yeah. Everyone well, you guys, naps. Guys. You guys don't understand, like, or I don't think the audience realizes the dates are long, like... <clears throat> Whenever we get there for row ceremonies, like the cocktail parties will start. So on the first night, um, we don't get to the house until maybe I think whenever we start, whenever the sun goes down. So maybe it's around like nine o'clock ish. And then it goes until 
7 a.m. Like, I think that's when we finally got done. The sun's up. You know, we're in our heels for that amount of time. I, like, I that was delirious. That would be a deal breaker for me. Yeah, I was, yeah. we were all delirious at the end of it. And, you know, and it take it's not rapid fire like you see on TV. It, it takes a while to, like, get through it. So then they can get all of those very uncomfortable facial expressions. Yeah, and then they you. just use it to, like, their advantage. Because, like, <laughs> I remember, like, I, I was looking mean in, in one row ceremony. And then, like, they kind of edited it to where it looked like I was like um, mean mugging Becca M and I was like and she was like were you mad at me I was like no I was I was just trying to not to pass out like <laughs> that's one of those things that I know is the case and yet I love the story of it so much that I will be like oh look at her glaring when so and so got the rose and yeah. then I'm like that's just fiction I know it's fiction but I just yeah. enjoy it too much it's all like out of order but um but yeah like it's it's a lot in, even with dates too like whenever you get one on one dates they wake you up at like maybe like four or five in the morning and then you go and then they don't come back to like another like four o'clock in the morning again Oh my god! Yeah, it's you guys don't realize. I would not be able to handle myself. It's a lot. I thought that was illegal. (laughs) I thought people weren't allowed to work for twenty four hours. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what happens after you get off the show. Um, Obviously, there's been a lot of conversation recently with the rise of Instagram and influencer culture about you know do people just go on the show for the gram to go shill for fit tea afterwards? (laughs) Is that something that you? thought about or is that something that you feel like is a misconception amongst audiences i feel like it's definitely like a misconception and i feel like people do have that big assumption about us that we're just kind of going on just to get more instagram followers especially now that social media has exploded because i i feel like before in past seasons you know it, it wasn't like a factor but now it is and You know, I feel like some people, I don't, I don't know exactly who, but I feel like some people did have that in mind. Me personally, I didn't because I actually have a real job and a career. (laughs) So that's not my like thing. That's not what I was trying to do. I mean, it's nice to have like, you know, like to get paid to post. Yeah, exactly. But that's not something I would quit my job to do you know like and, and it's so I feel we like, won't see you just chilling for sugar bear hair yeah for, even for though i have gotten career. some and it's amazing but um <laughs> free ad. yeah free, that was free a ad. sponsored comment <laughs> yeah but um but now like i feel like just for me personally that's not what i was trying to do because at the end of the day like i knew i wasn't going to get a ton of followers and you know i was just going just for the experience of the show and i was just open to honestly like finding love even though as cliche as it sounds but i was just open to the idea and then just the idea of the show and the experience but i do people i do feel like people have that motive of going on the show just to get their followers up and then just to be able to do that and you know that you know everyone knows going in there's a pretty low chance that you're probably going to be the one at the end who has exactly. that love story. So, I mean, it's complicated. I can't fault people for going in with an understanding of the very various things that could come out of it. And we were talking a little bit uh, in the green room, and I'm curious, you know, if you could kind of share it with everyone. You, you mentioned before you went in being like, I might not get that many followers. And you were saying before uh, that you had noticed before you went in, uh, and we have noticed this as well, that often contestants of color do not receive kind of the windfall of followers that white women and men who go on the show do. Yeah, I definitely noticed that beforehand. Um, Even before I went on the show, like I looked at Rachel's followers, I looked at Jasmine followers just from like last season. And then um, a couple of girls from Ben Higgins seasons, um, 
that had a pretty low follower count. So whenever either people that I knew or my friends, they're like, oh my God, your Instagram's about to blow up. And I was like, you guys, it's really not like, you know, like it's, it wasn't a factor to me because I knew in the back of my mind, it's like, it's not going to blow up. I'll, I'll be shocked if I get like 10 K, you know, but, um, so I had that going that I had that sense going into, into it. And, um, it was just kind of curious. It just made me, I guess, not curious, but like, um, I, I just paid attention to it. Like now being on the show, because a lot of girls who either got cut night one or night two that literally had no screen time. Um, they have a lot of followers, at least like over 10 K. And then, um, you know, people, you know, recognize me from the show and, you know, I'm still like under, you know, 10 K, which and it sound, makes me sound like bitter and just like kind of, you know, petty, but I, I'm, I'm really not like, I don't really like care that much. I mean, it's cool to have, but like, I, it's something I do notice and there's something me and CN talked about. And I think CN mentioned Marie talked about it too. Like, all, like not with me, but like with her. So it's something we definitely all notice for sure. Like that, um, you know, that our, our white counterparts do have more followers. And I feel like that might be because of the audience of the show and maybe how relatable, um, the other contestants are, you know, um, I'm not sure of the demographic of the show, but I'm assuming it's, you know, majority, you know, white women. So, and I feel like with your Instagram, I'm not that great at Instagram, but I feel like it's with your aesthetics. And then, and I feel like if you're posting things about like, goals like oh I, I want to look like that I want to dress like that and I feel like with my Instagram I'm just posting either me at work or like you know like just stuff around Austin it's not like you know like professional photos or anything like that so and I'm not a model and that's not what I'm trying to be but um but I feel like that does take into account of maybe like the Instagram followers just basically who people can relate to the most and then if the viewers are you know like white women between 18 and 34 then they're going to follow them the most yeah I mean it seems like The Bachelor decided pretty early on that they were going to be a show about handsome white men dating very blonde white women and (laughs) it's sort of made certain efforts to change that I think post lawsuit, which um, forced them to kind of reckon with how bothered a lot of people were by the whiteness of the show. Um, And I'm wondering if there's potential for The Bachelor to really change or if there's something inherent in the way it's evolved and is set up that it's never really going to be as welcoming of a place for black viewers and black uh, contestants. I feel like it's slowly, slowly changing, especially with um, Rachel's season. Um, and then with CN too, like I saw like on social media, a lot of people really liked her. They loved how articulate she was and just how smart and intelligent she was too and, and beautiful. So um, so I feel like it is it is slowly changing and I definitely thought she was like a contender to be like a, the, ba- the next Bachelorette if, ba- if Becca didn't want to do it. Um, I definitely thought it was going to be between either CN or Tia because a lot of people really liked CN and, and the fact that she, I think, talking to Ari kind of called that out. Like, you know, like we don't have like a lot of represent representation on the show. And, you know, she's like, I've never seen that like growing up, you know, like someone who looks like me. So I think that is important to have, you know, representation and it's, you know, like 2018. So I feel like they are, we are overdue. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, in- it's insane that we're even having the conversation. Yeah. And I feel like that's what Sian was maybe speaking to. And I feel like they are kind of, you know, maybe more pivoting to that, you know, and just having more diversity because I feel like Marie was like the first Indian, um, 
American, I don't know her nationality, but I feel like she was one of the first girls on there too. And, you know, maybe they'll work towards having like an Asian bachelor, bachelorette or something like that. So I feel like they're, they're getting there. It's slowly happening. I mean, we were a little worried about Ari's season in part because his penchant for blondes is yeah. not a secret. Very He's orange. got a pattern. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I, cause even his most recent girlfriend before the show looked identical to Emily and Lauren and to Lauren. Yeah. Um, but it was a pretty diverse group of women and a really vibrant, you know, interesting set of women with di- who brought different things to the table. Yeah. I was actually pleasantly surprised at that because going into the house, we don't meet anyone until night one and we don't see each other until we get into the house. And once I got to know everybody, I, I realized how intelligent everyone is. Everyone has something going on outside of the show or majority of us, majority of us did. And so I was very pleasantly surprised to see that we are not all like just un- unemployed, like, you know, pretty little bimbos. So like, I was just, I was really surprised to see that. And I was surprised to see how well we got along too, because we're all smart Um, and, and, you know, like, I felt like in the house, we all supported each other a lot too. And I was, I was really happy to see that as well. Like whenever someone got a date card or a date, you know, we were just like, yeah, like, you know, like, (laughs) awesome. Like, let me help you with your makeup. You want to borrow a dress? Like it was, it was like that. So, um, it was like, it it just made me happy to see that because going in, I was just like, everyone's going to be a complete bitch. And I think there, you know, earlier in the show, there was a trope of the catty woman and pitting women against each other. And that is something I do think we've seen evolve even in the years I've been watching it. And, you know, I always love the relationships between the women more than maybe the actual love story. (laughs) I think the show is great at adapting slightly its formula to the current cultural conversation. (laughs) And female friendship is such a popular um, topic of conversation right now. So I have to wonder if they, they always had that material and they left it on the cutting room floor. Yeah. And now they're like, let's maybe show them having a nice conversation. <laughs> so before we, you know, throw to audience Q&A, uh, we just have to ask you, Brittany, are you like done with this franchise? Is this something you would like recommend as an experience to other people? <laughs> or yeah, how do you feel now? Um... You know, there are talks of paradise. I might be on an island this summer. I don't know. We'll see. Got to have some conversations at work about that. (laughs) But, but, you know, who who knows? But I feel like if you're interested, I feel like one of the reasons why I did the show, I was actually really interested in the psychology behind it and just to see how reality TV works on the back end of things. So, And I got to see that, and it was very interesting. But... I will say, don't go on it if you have anxiety attacks, um, or if you're I'm eliminated prone. Already. Yeah, if you're prone to anxiety, this is not the environment for you. Um, or if you have very, I would go. If, I would say go if you have like thick skin, or if you're like if you know yourself very well. Because I was thinking about this earlier today. Um, if I would have went on the show when I was younger, it probably would have been, I probably would have been a completely different person and I would have been portrayed differently. And I'm glad that I went as an older, you know, woman, cause I know myself and I know what I wanted. So I would say, you know, if you're interested in the show, like just kind of know that going in. And then I was also very surprised to see like how much people actually like cared too. So be, be cognizant of that. Like, you know, people will find you and, you know, and message you crazy things. So, um, just kind of be cognizant of that. And, and just basically, 
I kind of just have to stay off social media now. Like, <laughs> blessing and a curse. Yeah, it's a blessing and a curse. It was just, it was a cool experience. I'm glad I got to do it. I'm glad I got to meet all the people that I got to meet. Um, you know, like meeting the producers. They're amazing people. I feel like maybe with Unreal, like they, they painted them as like these monsters, but they're really not. Like they're they become like your best friends. Like one of the um, producers, her name's Natalie. She went to. Um, or she invite she 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 got married and she she's like really close close with Christina and she came to the wedding and stuff. So like we like we become really close with these people. They're not like monsters. They're not they're not out to like get you or just manipulate you and and do all these things to you. But you know like they they're there to just kind of like get you to open up. And that was one of the things too that I that I'm glad I did because it's hard to like open up emotionally in that kind of setting. And and then whenever you do, like, it's just like, wow, like, you know, like you're talking about your feelings so much or like, or they're asking you like, how do you feel? What do you think about this? Like, what do you think about that? And like, no one really like really asks you that that much in real life. So that was kind of like, maybe therapeutic in a way. So basically, yeah, it's like group and individual therapy, except... Yeah. It's chopped up into little sound bites, <laughs> and also everyone gets to judge you yes. in America for it. Like, what if your therapist right. took your deepest, darkest moments, and then they were like, "Don't worry, I'm just going to put it on TV." But like, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Basically. So yeah. before we go, we'd love to see if anyone has any questions. Um, was Lauren B's dates really as like? Was she really that boring of a person, or? <laughs> I feel like or was she more? So Lauren B is really nice, you guys. She's so sweet. But um but she's just very quiet. So I remember in the house too, like one of the on the first week, she came up to me and just started asking me about myself. And I thought that was like really nice because looking at her, she's like striking and she's gorgeous. And you might, you know, make this assumption like, oh, like, you know, like she's just a snob or something like that. But she's so nice. She's like a black belt too. Like, you know, she's she's really cool. So um she's just very quiet and just very reserved. Um and I feel like in that setting too, you just kind of have to, it's hard to kind of get used to, but I think as things progressed, like she kind of came out of her shell, but, um, away from the cameras, I feel like she was, she was great. But then I get, I think maybe in her interviews, she just came off as very closed and, you know, just, she was just very minimal. Filt- yeah. Minimal and filtered. Yeah. She has a minimalist aesthetic yeah. when it comes to speaking. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> On I love the Lauren. <laughs> on the Lauren topic, were you shocked at how willing she was to go back to Ari within like two seconds of him breaking up with Becca? I it, I feel like yes, but I know it didn't. It wasn't like within two seconds. So I don't know if you guys remember Tia saying this, but like Tia and Lauren S were in Dallas New Year's Eve whenever Ari reached out to her. So there was some time, and I know, and I'm sure they were, you know, talking and he was just like, you know, warming her up. So, cause I watching it, I was just like, fuck, like really, <laughs> you know? And, and so like watching it, I was like, yeah, like it looks like that. Like, you know, she just took him back like immediately, but I think she definitely had some reservations cause I actually ran into Lauren S here last night, like in the convention center, she's working, but we were talking about it for a little bit. And, um, and she's just like, yeah, like Lauren had some reservations for sure about, you know, talking to him and, and, you know, opening that door again. So, so I, it's not like that cut and dry. Like there's obviously some conversations between, you know, him breaking up with Becca and then him like actually reaching out to Lauren because I heard too that he was reaching out to her like when the show aired too. So 
Uh, question for the stage. As prominent voices for and participants in this phenomenon, how would you describe the, the Bachelor fan base at large, and how do you engage with that fan base? Um, I think Brittany's word exuberant was really good. <laughs> um, it's a very passionate, and yes. I think, in, you know, what's interested me in recent years is seeing the rise of both the social media um, community around The Bachelor and also the rise of the discussion, why do smart women watch The Bachelor? And that makes me wonder if for a long time we assumed a certain thing about who watched The Bachelor, that it was all... Uh, women who were very um, uncritical, uncritical consumers, women who, like, for lack of a better term, we thought were not that smart, who were traditional and old fashioned. And in fact, um, a lot of the women who watch the show, I'm realizing, and men, and I love seeing more men being open about watching the show yeah, without and there saying, are definitely my girlfriend yeah. makes me. Male fans that are very... Yeah, yeah a lot yeah, of male fans that. have come up to me. like, And I'm just like, oh, like I was like, a girlfriend didn't tell you to watch that? He's like, no, I watch it by myself. I was like, oh, Because okay. it's riveting television. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I've, in the past, I used to hear so many men say, like, my female roommate got me into it. My like, <laughs> But I think that it's the more that we know about the the... the viewership because we see them tweeting about it and talking about it, the more we can see that it's a really um, engaged, uh, thoughtful group of people who enjoy watching the show, both for the, the romance and also to have something to think about and to unpack. And I think that's really cool. Do you think that social media has made reality shows more compelling or has, has, has it kind of corrupted them? Um, and, and also just like GIFs and other technological, um, you know, advancements. I'd say for myself, more compelling. Um, there's yeah, something yeah. also, especially in a moment where we so rarely feel compelled to watch television live there's something about the fact that you want to engage with the community around this show. You want to see how other people are reacting and you want to engage with their commentary. That is, I think, a really, really powerful draw and something that keeps people coming back. And also, that's why, you know, we can have a podcast about it. And since we started our podcast, there have been a ton more podcasts that also address The Bachelor every week. And for some reason, we all are open to listening to five podcasts a week that talk about the same two hours of TV. It's kind of incredible. Uh, I also just love a good gift. It's two to yeah. seven hours of TV a week. <laughs> yeah, got a, it got a little much this, this year. And I also heard, too, or like someone made a comment to me recently, like, or I think this past week, like, you know, people, or they said, I like going through Twitter first to like see all the reactions and then I'll watch the, the episode. So I think definitely like with having like hashtags and Twitter, you know, come about and then having the show, I think it definitely draws in people and then it'll draw, it'll help draw in new viewers yeah. too. That's also interesting. I wonder if it, I mean, it must also reframe the way some of us are seeing it because we are consuming other people's commentary rather than just, you know, absorbing it fully through our own lens. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's either or. I yeah. think it has in many ways enhanced the experience. It's made fans more loyal. It's made fans, even ones who are already critical consumers, even more thoughtful because they're being offered new ways to think about the show all the time. But also there is, as we were talking about earlier, the question of like, you go on the show, you're offered a bunch of lucrative Instagram sponsorships. Um, it's very tempting to just become an influencer. 
I kind of wonder how that's going to affect people's ability to transition back out of being a bachelor person. Like, at what point does someone like Becca Tilly, um, you know, does she, is she an Instagram influencer until she's, you know, 80? Or does she eventually yeah. have to make a shift? And that's something I'm, I'm curious to see is if contestants being so available on Instagram and Twitter and also available to receive a lot of abuse um, is right. going to have a more negative impact on people who watch the show in the yeah. long run. And I feel like that or professionally too, like that's kind of what I'm worried about, like, or the line I'm teetering on um, professionally, because I've read some articles too, where previous bachelor contestants kind of have, like they have a hard time or they struggle to go back into like um, the professional world because um some companies may see it as a distraction. Um, I, I read that somewhere. I forgot what article, but like, but yeah, like I, I remember someone, you know, commenting on that, like who was a contestant and, you know, so that's what I'm, that's like kind of my biggest fear is, you know, after this is all said and done, but you know, like now that we have the internet and it's so prominent, like everything's, you know, you can find it. So, um, so that's kind of the line that I teeter. I think we have time for one more question. Exactly. Hello. Um, my question is about the casting process. And clearly, everyone is gorgeous that gets on the show, beautiful and skinny. Um, so do you think that the producers or the, the casting people, they curate this group of beautiful women specifically for The Bachelor that they have in mind in the back of their head? Or do you think they're really, truly trying to get a diverse set of women that would they would find any day? And what's the process like? I mean, do you think that they'll ever consider, you know, not only the diversity, but someone that's average, you know, an everyday woman that, yes, she's pretty, she's smart, but maybe she's not a size zero? Yeah, I'm not a size zero. Um, <laughs> Um, but I feel like with this or with the casting round that I went through, um, so we didn't know who it was going to be, you know, going through the casting and, you know, they announce it like, so when we find out, that's when you guys find out. So, and then, you know, the casting director will call you and be like, are you still interested? And, you know, I was like, yeah. Um, but I think it, it may be a mix of both. I have no idea cause I'm not the casting director, but I think maybe they look at, you know, we have to go through a lot of like different tests and everything like psychological tests, you know, STD tests and like everything that like that. But, um, but I think it's like maybe like a mix of both, like who they think would be good for the lead that they have in mind. Um, and then also who maybe will be good for TV. Um, I, I, I mean, like with, you know, like Lauren B, like, you know, she's so reserved, you know, but I mean, she looks good, you know, obviously, but, um, but she, you know, a lot of people, say that she's boring and, and she's not, but you know, like I feel like casting has to, you know, kind of have that into consideration too. So, um, so I feel like they do like cast like average girls. Like I feel like my season, everyone was pretty normal. Like no one like had a nanny for, you know, like, and they're 24 or anything like that. <laughs> you know, everyone had a job and stuff. So I feel like it kind of goes a little bit of both ways, but obviously like, I don't know, like on the back end of how casting works. So they didn't tell me any of that. So I would be curious to see if they would ever cast uh, a woman who was, like, plus size. Um, but, I, I mean, I guess I, I would worry that much like when you first would have, like, one or two black contestants on the show and they were sort of shown as, like, look, we have one. Like tokenism? Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. And, and then they were never really uh, chosen. They were never paid attention to by The Bachelor. I, I would be really sad to see people added 
uh, and then have them treated badly on the show. So I think that that would have to be a very careful process of of realigning what the whole show looks like and and introducing you know, a more healthy mix overall instead of having like, here's our girl who is a plus size model, you know, sort of thing, which I've seen on dating shows in the past. Yeah. So thank you guys so much. This has been wonderful. I know we could all probably talk for another hour, but unfortunately (laughs) they are cutting us off. So thank you so much for joining. And yeah. And that's it for Here to Make Friends. Thanks to our guest, Brittany Taylor. Thanks to the team at TuneIn for bringing us to South by Southwest. And of course, our fearless producer, Nick Offenberg. If you haven't yet, remember to find Here to Make Friends on Apple Podcasts or tune in to subscribe and give us a rating. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, and you can find us both on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. Or you can always send us an email at heretomakefriends at huffpost.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in May for Becca's season of The Bachelorette. Let's do the damn thing, Claire. Unbelievable. (laughs) 